right, we're live with uh, live with. Oh wait, yeah, do it. Yeah, through the other live? bells. Well, got Ooh. this one. Where the fuck? Where's oh. the jingle bells? Are we live? Uh, I I was chat. Yeah. We're, we're live. We're live. Live. We're not um, like streaming I, this anywhere. Oh, okay. But As we're live. We we're recording alive. live. You know. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I have two tapes. I threw the bells last night. Uh, and then like, I forgot to grab. Who, oh yeah, who was who was your conversation with last night? Your unnecessary conversation? Oh, it was just another FaceTime date. But now, now, like, even when I'm not publicly having conversations, I can't not use the cowbell and like throw bells and everything. It's getting bad, bad. How was your date? <laughs> was it a new person or was it somebody you've already talked to? I'm already loving all the people that clicked on this to listen to Pliny and hearing some random guy named Jordan talking about his virtual oh, dates. I got I got questions for you. Don't worry. Uh, new girl quite enjoyed the chat. Awesome. All right, ask away, Pliny. Do you do you both live in Maryland? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Is it all fucked at the moment? I'm assuming you can't really go meet people in person. I mean, all fucked is relative, and I guess citizens' responsibility or sense of it is relative. I have <laughs> tried to stay home as much as possible, but it seems like many others don't and are happy to act as if uh, it's 2019. Yeah, but love doesn't wait, and you're not waiting for it. Well, that's why I FaceTime, brother. And how was it? It was good. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, it's very good. Super cool girl. Plan to chat with her again. Does she like prog guitar? Um, we haven't got there yet, man. Like I, I like first base first. You know, I'm a gentleman. I don't ask these things off the bat. You got to first base on Facetime. Well, we just talked about guitar, but we didn't get to progressive guitar. Oh. Damn. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, hopefully there's date number two and you guys can talk about progressive guitar. Well, I, I can share about this experience waking up at eight in the morning to talk to a, a guy, Pliny, over in Australia. Is it, is it fucked where you are right now? I think it was never as bad as it is there. Um, it was getting like close to amazing and then got a little bit shitty again lately. So it's like a half half ass lockdown. It's kind of That's how I feel like that's how I feel about every time that you and I've made love. I feel like it gets yeah. really close to amazing. Put a put a put a fucking ring on it and then I'll show you some things. <sighs> but I'm married to a female here and you live very far away. It's really a you're my tour wife. And that's not something that we can do for a very long time. Part of the reason why it is shitty, sometimes almost amazing, but I don't know. I just wish that you would just let it open up to me more. You know, I wish that you would just communicate with me about what you need when we're being intimate. I take time to get to know people and... COVID-19, dude, we were, we were meant to probably play in Australia together, and that could have been the one. I know. 
I wouldn't be jet lagged. I could show you around. Can you imagine the headlines? Pliny and Fred Durst out on the town drinking flat whites together. Yeah. <laughs> Holding hands for like one second. Did we do? You know what? Real quick, Matt, I feel like I'm a third wheel, but this actually feels even better than my date last night so far. Well, I'm enjoying this. Me and me and Plenty have always had a little bit of a of a thing going on, you know. Um, well, well you definitely color coordinated for this conversation. Well, yeah, yeah. We're simple men. <laughs> I think it's just chemistry. Sometimes you have it, sometimes you don't. It's palpable. <clears throat> the first time, the first time I met Plenty, I think it was. I think it was at that intervals or yeah. show at um Lancaster, uh, right? in Lancaster at that like music yeah. festival. Um, you came outside. We were outside with Sash and intervals, and you know your guys. We were by your bandwagon, and you just came up and stopped my heart in the tracks. I mean, <laughs> it was like I was I gasped for air. I had to I had to sit down. Because I was like, wow, he's tall, he's thin, he's ver what, just virile, is that the word I'm looking for? Just you could it was just coming off of him, you know? I mean I was like Yo, Pliny, what do you have going on, man? I've never seen Matt like this before. <laughs> Holy shit, this is great. It was you know what it was? It was Stosh. Stosh had sort of like, you know, downplayed you a bit to me. Because I was asking questions, I was curious. He didn't, I he wanted, didn't tell you how thin I really am. Yeah, he didn't tell. Yeah, or how tall, which indicates other things. But um, <laughs> yeah, he really, he really kind of like downplayed it. And then, man, I just was blown away just by your beauty. Anyway, so <clears throat> um, did, you're did you work. Hey, Blinny, Blinny, as as a man growing up uh, far, far away relative to Matt and I. Like, could you ever have dreamed of traveling and perhaps performing in Lancaster, Pennsylvania? Absolutely not. Man, there's places that I've never heard of that I've played in, and that's my favorite thing. Like, are there, just, haunted, hay yo, are there haunted hayrides in Australia? May, uh, maybe. What's that? Cause there, there's a, a haunted hayride, like Halloween time, where you, uh, you sit at the, at the back of a tractor that's pulled, and you, there's bales of hay that people sit on, like shoulder to shoulder, and uh, and then you got like people dressed as monsters with fake chainsaws uh, coming at you. They have many of them in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. That sounds like a pretty American thing. <laughs> yeah, it, it's called a it, well, like they do like haunted hay rides and haunted forests, or like haunts. They call them. There's actually a bunch of movies right. about it, like like scary movies that have been made with the okay. premise of going to a haunt and it ends up being real. Um, but what, yeah, what, sick. what do you guys do down there for Halloween? Is there like, like a half-assed American version? Like kids dress up, go door to door. Um, and there's like themed parties. Mm. Do you hand out candy? Yeah. Do you no. dress up at all? Um, like I see you two, shaking your head, and I know why you're shaking your head. Two years, I think it was two years ago for Halloween. I uh, went to this sick party, like people our age. Yeah. And I 
bought this stormtrooper, like Star Wars stormtrooper onesie with the mask and everything with a friend of mine. We both had it and went to this party. It was super fun. Everyone's like wearing crazy shit. Uh, and then we went to this party afterwards and my friend walked through a glass door and just thought it was all fine. And then his leg, the stormtrooper white was just turning red. Wow. And like we cut it open and he cut like a pretty serious chunk of his knee out. And the whole thing was just like welling up red. Uh, and then I, we got in an Uber and went to the hospital. Was what he, a haunted experience. Was he okay? I mean, yeah. did he lose a lot of blood? We were both laughing. I mean, he could have been laughing because he didn't have any blood. Um, and then still got a crazy scar. Oof. That's rough. That was so he literally walked through me. a glass door? Like, he, like, did he not see it? Yeah, I think he thought it was nothing. Oh, wow. I've seen that a couple times. Have you ever seen somebody run into a screen door? Yeah. Dude, when I was, when I was young, we used to put stickers on all the glass doors because I just run into them like a fucking bird. <laughs> Dude, on our, I, I don't remember if I've told this story on the podcast before, but on our, on our honeymoon, uh, me and Pliny, no, I'm just kidding, me and, me and Natalie on our honeymoon, we're outside of our room and there was like a, a, like a, like a dot, little like mini like dive pool or like float pool and then a sliding door to get inside. And I guess I'd gotten in there and I was like naked or something and Natalie wanted to like take a picture to document. So she's like, oh wait, don't move, stay there. And just moving really quickly to go get her phone, she just goes boom and like head first into the glass door. Luckily she didn't break it or hurt herself. But man, like the whole next 48 hours, she had a welt on her forehead that was gigantic uh -huh. and everybody everybody at the resort is thinking like i beat her yeah sick you guy know? yeah sick guy like oh great you're on your honeymoon and it's already going really well let me tell you but uh well all right so shifting gears uh we had chris on we had chris on a couple weeks back and he was this smooth was, pivot matt what's that smooth pivot yeah, well, I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to get serious here. So, yeah. Uh, and he was, this was pre-recording the record, your record. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I'm curious how, how the recording process went, if you're all done, if you still have a lot more to do, if it's at the mixing stage, how you feel about it. What's the vibe? How do you feel? So good. Uh, we finished drums last week, I think. That was sick. I don't know. How long do you usually spend in the studio? Because we did nine, eight days. We usually, for, for our records, we'll book about eight days. And yeah, yeah I mean, we'll take most of the time. I, I like to take the time just because I don't want to feel pressured. Yeah. You know, it's, it's this weird, it is a weird thing because I don't, I don't like the pressure of recording an album, so I want to get the songs done as soon as possible so I can just not be anxious, but I also don't yeah. want to feel rushed. But um, That's, yeah, same thing. Like, I basically left it up to Chris and Simon, who engineered it all. Uh, like, how long do you think you want? And then I'll just be standing there paying a studio. Um, 
And we did one day per song and then Chris just smashed it and we had two days left. We came in, listened to everything, made sure it was all fine, uh, recorded a bunch of useless percussion and still had a day totally left, which luckily the studio gave like a credit for, which was nice. That's great. Um, but yeah, that whole process was like so chill. Um, big takes that will barely need any editing lots of time to like go and tweak things. Um, and so before that I'd basically finished all the songs. So now I'm just bouncing out to all the different parts to send to Simo to mix. That's great. So you guys do it similarly to how we do it, where you'll demo or, or really record all your parts, all the final parts for everything with program drums. And then, yep. and then Chris will come in at the end and finish that. And then it's, pretty much yeah. done as far as tracking. Yeah. Yeah. That's so nice. It's playing. It's so, oh, go ahead. Is it, has it, was it your plan to be recording this many songs like at this time, or was this a pivot from not being able to tour? No, I, um, I'm kind of glad that I couldn't tour because I would have fucked my own schedule. Um, I started writing like a couple of years ago, and then I had set aside like Feb, uh, basically, when we got back from that U.S. tour, um, rest of Feb, March, April, May to finish it. And I finished the last song at like the end of June. So I... Like the schedule. Yeah. Um, so I had sort of, I had the plan to do this much music, but I took longer than I expected, which was a good thing. And I guess the time to do literally nothing else is kind of fortuitous. Yeah, that, that's really nice. We don't, that's part of the reason why we don't ever have like a, I don't want to say we don't have a deadline, but when we write a record, we schedule a deadline very far out. Like if we need a year, yeah. we take a year. Um, so everybody's in Sydney, right? Yeah. So it's, did you guys get together at all? Did you jam? No, no. Yeah. I would have, I don't know. I'd like to, I don't know what, what that does. Like, I don't know the, the role of playing unrecorded music with people. Have you ever done that? Not really with, well, yeah. And not as a full band with periphery, uh, yeah. in other bands I used to do it, but now, I mean, yeah, everything is just done remotely on the yeah, computer. It's kind of I guess it's a different skill, like the skill of getting in a room to explain an idea compared to making a demo to explain it. And I guess we've just got good at making a demo and not seeing each other and then turns into a song. It's interesting you say that, though, because having watched you guys so many times, <clears throat> it seems like you you do that, like you actually get in a room and jam together because of how relaxed and freeform it can be when you guys play. Uh, so it's kind of actually surprising to hear that. I would imagine, like, when I think of you guys together, I think, like, you're hanging out and you're just jamming and everybody's kind of making jokes and yelling at each other. And uh, that's, that is literally it, except we do it once before a tour. Yeah, yeah, well, I can imagine that. Was, uh, so who is, who's playing on this record? Is, is it you, Simo? Chris and Jake, or is it just the three of you guys for now? Just, yeah, just the three of us uh, and a bunch of different guests. Um, Dave, did you, you didn't come to any of the shows with Javier when mm -mm. 
we because uh, we were crossing. Dave McKay. Um, yeah, I know Dave. Oh, you, okay, so he's playing keys on a few tracks. Oh, sick. Um, and a bunch of other people. That's great. Yeah, I know Dave from yeah. JP. Yeah. Because um, they're obviously really good friends. Dave, uh, it's funny. When I Remember when I had the Deep V Apparel company? Yeah. I don't know if you remember that. I went yeah, up to New York. Big fan, bro. What's that? Big fan? Big fan. Oh, yeah. sick. Yeah. I, follow, I follow you to the end of the world. Thank you. <laughs> I hope it never ends. Uh, I went up to New York to to actually shoot all the promo footage for that, or like promo pics for that, with uh, with JP um, and and Dave and Dave modeled, and he looked really? stellar. Yeah, he looked great in those V necks. That's sick. He's good Do you looking. Do those photos? Huh? Do you have any of those photos? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I can pull them up. Yeah. yeah. Yes, please. Do you know Tanya? Did you ever meet Tanya? Uh, no, I've only heard of her because Dave went to her wedding in India. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds yeah. right. Yeah, her and Amon. Um, yeah, she's she's a great photographer, so she ended up doing right. all, this, all the shots for that. Anyway, well, so <laughs> how are you? Yo, Matt, I, I, before we move on, I'm curious, like, Pliny, did you grow up playing music with other people in the room, or has it more been, like, your own personal project. Cause I know for me, like as a kid, I didn't really play sports. I didn't play video games. I liked playing music with my friends. That's how we hung out. So, you know, when I'm writing songs, at least personally, uh, I like the feeling of the room and, and me being influenced by like the people I'm working with and maybe something that, uh, you know, my brother plays on bass that's going to influence something that I didn't have in mind, for instance. So I'm just curious, like, how you were socialized musically. Um, when I was, like, I think 12 or 13, I had a few friends that we'd play, like, Guns N' Roses and Queens of the Stone Age and shit with, um, but never wrote anything. And then I had a friend, or have a friend, that we used to play, like, Mastodon and Lamb of God and, like, the more technical shit. Um, he's a guitar player as well. Um and we would play a lot of that stuff, but again, like never really write. Like whenever I was writing anything, it was on my own. So I just got used to that being kind of like the quickest and easiest way to do it. So I had like a taste of the fun of playing with other people, but I never really had the situation of like making an original band or anything like that. Mm. What about now? I mean, do you just jam with other people just for the sake of playing and not so much for writing or producing anything um sometimes but i find like even when i'm with my favorite musicians we end up hanging out and talking about other stuff Mm. instead of jamming Mm. um i guess because we all probably live in our own like bubble of creativity that's personal and don't really intersect them like in theory it'd be so fucking fun to jam with matt halpern and we did it zero times and yeah, there were so many times we probably could have. Yeah. And but it's way more fun to go sit at a coffee shop. Yeah. What's your, okay, do you remember on the last tour, the, the U.S. leg, do you, yeah. was there a day, a hangout day that you remember that sticks out to you as like the, the best one? Uh, I mean, um, after the show, was it Austin? 
Was it Austin where you all came and fucked with me? Uh, that was great. Yeah. That was, yeah. That was, <laughs> that was pretty good. Where we have video of putting you in bed. Yeah. And they you- all came onto the bandwagon and lifted me into my bed, among other abusive things. Oh, that's the video you sent me, Matt. Yeah, yeah, you've seen it. Yes. Yeah, yeah that was in Austin. You know what my uh, deceivingly favorite day was? Surprisingly favorite, like, hangout. Albuquerque? Yes. That was really nice. That was really nice. There was one, yeah. I, it was a day off for me as far as teaching. I, I planned to, oh, right. it was like right in the middle of the tour. I wanted to take a break for the day. But that was really nice. That coffee shop was surprisingly really good. If you remember yeah. the owner, that woman was there and she was... Yeah, she was so sweet. She was really cool. She was like... That's, um, Zendo is the cafe. Yeah. Have you been there prior to that? Yeah. Um, I, can't, I think I've played in Albuquerque three times, including that one. And I think I went both times before. And it was just as good. Yeah, that was a great day. It was relaxed, man. And I feel like that was a chance to really get to know some of the guys in your crew that I didn't know as much. Like, that was the first time I think I really got a chance to talk to Raul. Um, Ah, sick. Like, more than just the pleasantries in the hallway at the venues. Yeah. But no, that was was a really really cool day. Um, Going back to the songwriting thing or inspiration thing, something I wanted to mention, and forgive me if you have talked about this before, but one of the coolest things that I've shared with like my family members or friends are the, um, birds and surfers like, and, and explaining what you're doing with that. And uh, Jordan, I don't know if you know what that is. I'll let Pliny tell you, but uh-huh. it just, it makes me feel, and I'm not even bullshit. It makes me feel proud to know you to be your friend because when <laughs> I see something like that, I'm like, God, that's so fucking cool. That's so fucking creative how, how you would do that, you know? So I'm just curious, like, was that just a moment where, oh, I took a picture and this is what I found? Or was it planned? I'm just, I don't know. Just It's so crazy to me and, and beautiful. Like, the mute, that, those are some of my favorite tracks that you've done, I think. And maybe it's because I know the, the background of it, but it's just so fucking cool to me. Thank you, Matthew. Mm. You're very sweet. Mm. Um, so, so Jordan, I took a photo. Fuck, what was I took a photo of a bunch of surfers on waves, like from way back, and just put it on Instagram because I suck at posting what people want to see, and I just post shitty photos instead. Uh, so, there's a bunch of little surfers on waves, and someone either commented or messaged me saying, "Hey, that looks like notation." Um, mm. So I put it on notation paper and kind of guessed what would be what note. Um, And then I didn't like transcribe it perfectly or anything and just guessed like the rhythm of what would be played fast or slow and then used that as a melody to write a little bit of music. Um, And then I took a similar photo of like a flock of birds and then did the same thing and then put out like a two-song EP or something um, with those. And, yeah, it was fun. It was just like a – I think from making music, it starts to feel serious. Like when you write something, it's like, oh, this has to be the greatest song I've ever written. 
in order to be on the next album that I can like hype up to the end of the earth. Um, but for that sort of thing, it's like, hey, this is a different idea that doesn't really count. So I get to have fun with it. And so that's where it came from. Yeah, no bullshit. That's that's really brilliant. Like that's super interesting. And and I guess to Matt's point, like now that I know the context, I'm like fully invested in wanting to experience that music. And I feel like a connection point. You know what I mean? Um, that's really cool. And also, I mean, I like the idea that you're sharing this spirit of play and, and not having to look like we can take our play seriously. But yeah. in order to do that, we need to actually allow ourselves to play. Uh, we all start with music because we play music, you know, but but what I think it with whatever it is, um, I think the more that we allow ourselves to just let go and be more um, improvisational, maybe, or just open to opportunity, that's where interesting shit happens. Like taking a random picture and that becoming like a recorded piece of like music. I love that. It's a good, it, they're good, really good tracks too. So Jordan, I think you'd like them. You should definitely check them out. Um, they might actually be really good background music for your next FaceTime date. Uh, I'm very much open to it, and I will pay the proper license, Plenty. Except it's like three minutes of music, so you better talk fast. It is. Just, loop, fast. just put it on loop. I'm quick. Just put it on loop. <laughs> hey, Plenty, one of the... One of the uh, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Jordan, because uh, this is a bigger topic I want to get into. Last point I want to make, but I do think it's it's quite valuable. So, uh, you know, the last Croissants episode, we were talking about these unnecessary conversations that I've been uh, doing weekly on Instagram Live, and it's allowed me to express a much more absurd uh, humor aspect of who I am and who I've always been that I haven't expressed as much uh, more recently, especially publicly. Um, but I have found that the more in the past few months that I've allowed myself to uh, be more alive in those ways, being absurd, being uh, odd, being eccentric, uh, pulling on that end has strengthened the other end of, uh, of my intellect and my empathy and, and things like that. And to, to kind of tie back to, to, look, you're posting random shit on Instagram and not only like did that allow you to have more art, uh, but it ended up being a collaboration with people interacting with you uh, in general, in the sense that it was, uh, that idea was offered as a gift from someone that, that pays attention to you. Um, but I think, look, we, we are all multifaceted, and I think the more that we allow ourselves to own and express all the different parts of who we are, that only strengthens the other aspects of who we are because everything becomes more realized. So, uh, like when I say like we should take play seriously, uh, like I fucking mean it. <laughs> a moment, of, a moment of silence for that to resonate. Strongly agree. I think, especially for, I don't know, I guess I'm just giving advice now, but I think especially for people who are, who have done music enough to start to want to turn it into like a career or something like that. I think that's the moment where it's really important to not lose 
the sense of play because that's the thing that's going to keep you interested and keep everything unique. Totally. And that goes for any creative. Yeah. That's the yeah. most fun or, or one of the reasons why it is most fun to be around you and the band. Not even just musically. Well, I, well, I guess musically too. You guys play on stage. Like you do have fun. It is a, it's a very relaxed, fun experience to play a show. But what's, I talked about this with Chris a bit and even Ronnie when we had him on. It's like that all day. You know, like I don't think I've ever seen you guys have like a, a serious, like a, like a negatively toned serious conversation on tour. I've never seen you guys not happy or doing, doing your, your own thing. You know, like it, it's interesting. I guess I can pick up on certain days when, you know, somebody in the band is kind of doing their own, their own thing or they need some space or whatever it may be, but it's not very often. But I always, I was so close minded at first, as you remember, when you guys pulled up screaming in the van <laughs> in Germany on the first night of the European tour to playing yeah. with you guys. Like, to, you know, and then what was it? Like five days in, I'm screaming and I'm having a great time. And, you know, we'll, but we'll get you. We'll always get you. It's so infectious, man. I love it. And, but I, but I love that you guys do really embrace that. Uh, I guess it's just natural. Like it's just the chemistry with all of you guys together and being friends for so long. But have you ever sat down and been like, this is what I want the, the culture, the vibe to be within the band? No, it's just happened. Um, I guess I'm lucky to know a bunch of people who take what they do really seriously and take themselves really not seriously. Um, even like the very first time I met Ronnie, uh, he was a recommend, you know, Mike Malian. Yeah. So he played drums with me at UK Tech Fest in 2015 and recommended Ronnie as a sound guy. Um, so that's the first time I met Ronnie and I heard him mix another band, No Consequence, and was like, what the fuck? That's the tightest thing I've ever heard in my life. Like this super, super tech band playing in a, an empty shed and it sounded tight. And I was like, this sound guy is amazing. Um, and he did my set, I assume it sounded good, and then went and helped me sell T-shirts. And I was like, that's not your job. You're really sweet and, like, you're a really lovely person. Um, so then a year later we did that Animals tour and I asked him to come on that. And it's, I mean, it's the same with all the dudes in the band. I just kind of asked them from the beginning to do something that was very unspectacular, like play a small club show for 20 bucks or something and they did it and took it seriously and had a good time so it's just like a yeah it just keeps growing like i guess they expect that i'll be good to them and i expect them to do well and just keeps working yeah well you i mean you surrounded yourself with as you said guys that take their craft very seriously everybody in your crew is so good at what they do and they're also some of the nicest, most down-to-earth, humble guys ever. And it, what's what was so interesting to me was that, like, I didn't know half the things that I know now about them in terms of their abilities or their talents. Like, I didn't know how talented, you know, Simon is in the production 
side of things. Yeah. I just thought he was like a sick bass player. I didn't even know he played guitar anywhere near yeah. the level that he could play guitar <laughs> until, you know, we had him come and play yeah, you know, solos with, with us, with you. Yeah. Um, and it's just, you don't really encounter that too often. Just guys that, that don't talk about themselves that are, that are humble and, and kind of let their talents speak for themselves. But it's a, it's a really refreshing thing. Um, the, the thing I wanted to ask you about and bring up is actually a topic of conversation within periphery right now. Uh, and it's something that I think you, do you, do you manage yourself or do you have a manager you work with? You do? No, I do it myself. Yeah. Okay. So there's this long conversation now that we've been having for many years that we've never really pulled We've never really gone too far out of the, uh, I guess, the norms with it for our genre of music. But this idea of putting out, you know, singles or or two songs at a time or, or three minutes of music like Bird Surfers. Um, I'm curious just what your take is on that as a whole from a business standpoint, you know, but also from a creative standpoint. I don't know. It's something that, that like a lot of us want to do and not to go on and on, but you know, you look back at Misha's history, that was all he did, you know, when, when yeah. he first started, just like song, 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 release for free, put it out there. We've gotten away from that. Um, and maybe there's some advice here as well for people listening that are in bands, but I just would love to know how your experience has been with it. If it was ever sort of a thing that you debated with yourself, you know, whether you should do this or put a song on an album or put a song on an EP or if it's freeform, but do you have a particular stance on the right way to release music now? I have a stance and then I've recently questioned whether my stance has been like the result of brainwashing. Like at some point, I guess someone decided that an album exists and is like going to be the most popular format for releasing music. And I don't know when that was. I guess it was when they like invented vinyl and they're like, hey, you can put 30 minutes on this. It follows the technology. Yeah. So I guess we've all grown up listening to albums and for whatever reason, that became like the focal point of all marketing was like, hey, there's a new album coming out. On this day, you go to the record store, you buy the album and you listen to that like 30, 40 minutes of music. And that's like the highlight of what that band does. Um, so that's always made me think of like being able to create a whole album will be the most impressive thing that I can do. Um, which is, I guess, the only reason that I'm doing it now as opposed to releasing eight songs when as I finish them. Um, but then I guess like these days, singles make way more sense in terms of keeping people interested. And if you're interested in streaming revenue, I think it's like pretty clear that the best way to do it is to just keep dribbling new content to keep your like monthly listeners up. Um, and I guess there's no real, unless it's a concept album, I don't think there's much of a real argument that, eight separate songs need to be together as opposed to released once a week or once a month. Um, because it, like you're going to spend the same amount of time and end up with the same body of work either way. But I guess just 
literally the order that you press certain buttons might result in a better or bigger audience, uh, which is, I guess that's the weird point that we're at now that you have to think about that. Um, yeah, I guess my question is whether the format of an album is like inherently special in any way, or it's just something that we're stuck with from when vinyl and CDs were the way that music was listened to. Do you, do you see a trickle effect when you put out a new single? Yeah. Does it affect the other body of work in terms of streams? I mean, do you see them, do you see a bump? Yeah, absolutely. And then one other question is if you, let's say you were to put out eight songs over the course of a few months or something, or, you know, four or five months, whatever it may be, would you at the end consider compiling them into then a, an album release, even though each song, like we saw, uh, who is it? Um, um, sleep token, I think just yeah. did that with their whole record. So I, right. I'm curious if, if, if you see a benefit to doing something that way. Yeah, I totally would. Even if they were like unrelated songs, I would still wrap them up in a neat package because I guess that just gives you the excuse to do all the conventional other stuff like vinyl like and vinyl. a t-shirt with the cover on it and I guess a tour around it. Um, I guess you can kind of tour around singles these days as well. Um, I guess another part of it is like, what our particular audience is interested in. Cause I feel like our niche still very much loves the idea of an album, whereas almost the entire rest of the music industry doesn't really give a fuck. If right. there's like a cool single, that's enough excitement to like see the show or whatever of that artist. Well, that, that, I think that is the, the conversation right there for our genre and our audience. You know, I, yeah. they, I feel like they want a lot of music to digest at once because I don't know. I mean, maybe they're all musicians. They love having multiple things to analyze and listen to. I mean, yeah, it's fair to say your audience is primarily comprised of musicians as well. Yeah. I, I wonder if, I suppose it's the same for any field where you get people who are like really, really, really interested in it. Like people who are into food probably, are the ones that go have like the eight course degustation as opposed to like, Hey, that biscuit is really good. Yeah. Or the, anal or the analogy of uh, a new season of a TV show. Do you want it all released at once or like an episode a week? It's the experience of it. But some yeah. people prefer to sit for a, a, a full day, like eight hours straight taken in one season. Yeah, that's a, that's, yeah. But I, I guess when I think about that, it, to me, that would apply more so to a concept album as far as a comparison goes. Because in a season yeah. of a show, you know, in a season of a show, it's, there's a, there's a story arc and so forth from the start to the end. An album can just be, you know, eight songs, 10 songs, that are all completely but, disconnected. But I, I get what you're saying. But, but even if thematically, there may not be much of a connection point in, in a, a set of songs that create the format of an album, 
like I will still psychologically relate to all those songs as one piece of art. But I also think I'm in the minority. Um, look, if you look at the business of music uh, from a, a, a bigger scale, and I understand you guys have more of a, a, a niche audience and niche genre, but like hip hop dominates and, uh, and rock is irrelevant from the most mainstream point of view. Uh, hip hop embraced technology. Hip hop embraced streaming when rock resisted it. Uh, hip hop embraced collaboration when uh, rock resisted it. Hip hop uh, embraced like mixtapes and SoundCloud when rock resisted it. You know, rock was the uh, standard model of the music industry, and like people don't want their money moved around. So you kind of like hold tight and and you resist change. But as you see with like anything in technology, those that resist. Uh, ultimately uh, lose out mainstream. Obviously, there's always going to be these like, you know, these back channels, uh, you know, that, that you guys are able to exist and thrive in. Um, but it's it's just a different model. Uh, I think that and I'd actually encourage you guys and, and especially you, Matt, if you guys are talking about it to fucking try it and see what happens. Um, you guys have done a really good job of creating a relationship with your audience which is why I believe you've been able to thrive as a band because you've built community with your audience. And as artists, it's just an ongoing conversation that we have, whether the conversation is a new album or a live show experience or an Instagram post. Um, but I think if you're those trying to play a bigger game or even those outside of it, trying to find some traction within the game, uh, I think the model is just a constant drip because it's just the, the whole game is attention. So if, if you're releasing something like a single every three months versus a new album every three years, uh, I think with the singles game, you win the attention game. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And my stance on it personally is that I think it, it's totally worth a try, especially right now. Uh, because we need to provide content and we need to have interaction with our fans because we're not going to be able to do it in the traditional format of touring for a very long time, potentially. So this is, to me, this is the ideal time to try new things like that um, and, and connect in that way and see how it goes and stay relevant and, and you know provide that service. Um, which leads me to my, my next question for you. Plenty is, you know, touring, at least from the outside looking in, is a big part of your business model, as it should be for any man. But, I mean, you tour quite a bit, typically. Um, what does it look like releasing a record or planning to release a record with that big gap? Yeah, we'll see. Um I haven't, I feel like touring was always an excuse to tour because I could, because it's relatively fresh. It wasn't, I think this would have been the first time I was releasing an album and having a world tour booked around that release and like do the whole thing properly, um, which obviously is not going to happen. Um, and, but in the past it was kind of like every tour was just the result of the previous tour. Like the one with you was cause I started working with Nick Storch, um, and I guess maybe because you guys like me as well, but 
it's sort of just off the back of a previous tour, off the back of a previous tour. Um, so I don't, I haven't felt like uh, the release gets validated by the tour before, mm-hmm. and I thought that was going to be the case with this one. Um, yeah, so I don't know. It's just blue balls. Yeah, it, yeah, it's a it's a weird thing to wrap your head around because it does change the business model for for all of us so much. Uh, whether it was an intentional thing or not, I mean, you being out on tour, I would imagine you see a bump, quite a big bump in your <clears throat> streams yeah. when you're out playing shows as well. Yeah. So it it, it definitely has a uh, you know a chain reaction effect there. Um, but. And we don't have to talk about this now, I guess, just from a general standpoint, have you, do you feel like you've spent a good bit of time thinking about how you're going to market this record differently? Or is that something that will come next once the album is is finished in this, in in the current landscape that we're in? Um, Nothing particularly differently. Um, My, like, I guess the, the core marketing principle for me is that the music's really fucking good, um, which I can't necessarily say it is, but I've done my best. And I think that's, I mean, that's the thing that's always worked for bands that I like over anything is if the music's good enough to listen to three years later, um, then that's like the important thing. Um, I mean, I'm expecting less people will buy physical pre-orders because a lot of people aren't having such a great time right now and don't necessarily need a t-shirt. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I just want to release it and see what happens. I'm not, there's not much like, I haven't thought much about like streaming events or any like super trendy digital things to kind of make up for not, um, touring. Yeah. Do you actually consume those as a fan? Because I know, at least for me, I haven't been interested in that and couldn't really see myself paying for that. You know, the first few months of quarantine, everyone was just doing shit for free just to stay connected. And now I think musicians are realizing, like, this isn't going away in the next couple months. And so really considering options of how to monetize, uh, you know, the, their their art and, and, and with their fan base. Um but for me, I, I, it, it, there's still the personal connection with the, the artists in real time, but taking away the, uh, the, the energy of a, the fans there, um, it, and it feels kind of sterile to me. Not unlike, you know, I'm, I'm very into pro wrestling. So right now there's pro wrestling with no fans. Yeah. And it yeah. just, it sucks. You know, I, I appreciate the effort and the artistry, but it's just not the same. Depends how it's done, I guess, right? Because you've seen the same things I have. There's certain bands that just like rent out a soundstage or a venue and they play on stage, and it's kind of, it is a little bit sterile. But when you see stuff like what Under Oath is doing, and I don't know if you've if you've checked out their stage setup or what it looks like. I mean, what it's done, in my opinion, <clears throat> in my opinion, it's it's set a bar for sure. As to I've seen them get, I've seen them get press for their how they what their business model is right now but yeah. i think that's the point like and to the earlier point of of hip hop dominating like the innovator wins 
Right. And now as artists, uh, no matter what the type of art that we're, that we're creating and, and publicizing, uh, we have to be creative in how we distribute and connect. Right. Yeah. It's, you know, it, it's been a, that's also been a conversation in our camp of like, are we going to do something like that? You know, are we going to do a live, yeah. a live performance, which I think our fans would definitely be into, but there's a couple challenges there and there's a couple restrictions there. Like we don't want to do a, re a remote version of it where we're all recording our parts, you know, in our respective homes and then piecing it together. We would want to be in person. And right now that's definitely something that, you know, is based off of individual personal comfort level. You know, like who's comfortable flying on an airplane because we all live everywhere else. So, yeah. you know, that that definitely takes precedence over a live stream concert kind of thing. Um, yeah. But I think if we were going to do it, I would, as I'm sure you would, too, want to put together a way to do it that's unique. Um, yeah. That's that's the thing, because you want if you're going to do something new, you want it to be a great version of a new idea instead of like the closest you can do to something that used to be great, which is the problem I have with most of the live stream things is they're just like a worse concert. Um, but I guess some of the streaming stuff's cool. I haven't watched much, but stuff where it's like you just watch someone fucking around, like writing a song. I think that's quite unique because that's previously like a totally private space that you get to be a part of. Yeah. That's what uh, Misha's been doing a lot of that now, yeah. which has been really cool for him. And it's nice. I think it's, it's, it's really nostalgic in a way because he's going back to his roots of sharing yeah. what he, you know, his, his process of demoing and writing, but now obviously doing it with a lot new, a lot better, newer technology that shows the process in the room. Um, yeah. It's funny. I, I actually did bring this up to, to the band as kind of like a tongue in cheek thing. But if there were ever a way to do it, I think this could be a cool way that I haven't really seen. I don't think is like doing a package, like a tour, pa a tour package thing, you know, where you where like plenifery, you know, where we're playing together. There's no way to get us all in the same place, obviously. But even just that kind of thing where you make it a, a, a bigger event where you have, you know, the, the, the backstage look, you know, like the look into what it's like before the show live and all of us hanging out and then playing respective sets on stage together, almost instead of like, here's plenty. And then here's periphery. It's like, you guys play a song. We play a song. You guys play a song. We play a song. We share band members, you know, like that's a, that's an interesting way to do it. But then you still have the production value aspect of it and making sure it all works and getting everybody in the same room, which is a fucking big challenge right now, but yeah, be a fun I way think to do the, it. The thing that sucks for us is the music's usually so fucking hard. Like if we played easier music, it would be so much simpler to be like, Hey, you play on this song, I'll play on that song. Right. And we could actually do something like that in the day. Whereas I guess probably everyone in our two bands would look at each other's songs and be like, eh, yeah, unless we, yeah, yeah, we'd have to all spend a good bit of time leading up to it, listening a lot. I'm yeah. thinking off the top of my head, there's definitely a few songs of yours that I would feel comfortable enough sitting down and, and playing <laughs> off the bat. 
I don't know how it would turn out, but hopefully, hopefully good. But you know, anyway, it's just it's fun to think about that kind of stuff. And I that, think, yeah, that would be a creative way to do it that would draw a, a unique. Uh, it, it would be attention grabbing in the sense, especially yeah. when you have two bands or multiple bands that have good chemistry. You know, like imagine a live stream with you guys, us, and animals as leaders or, or Mestis, you know, it would yeah. just letting people into that world. If we could be authentic, if we could actually yeah. let that happen would be a very cool experience for somebody to see outside. But even riffing yeah. off that, that, I mean, I like the idea and clearly, yeah, if you're going to partner with other bands or just have a more interesting concept that obviously helps, uh, with just uh, it, you know, attracting press and just uh, sharing the the fact that that's a thing that exists. But if it was a live experience, then I like the idea of some sort of like group hangout. Like fans can be in the green room with you and kind of have a sense of that dynamic. Because with your guys' bands, it seems like a lot of your fans are just as invested in you guys as human beings as they are with the music that that you create and share. Um, or even if it was some pre-produced thing and uh, someone pays uh, you know, $99 to have access to all these files, then maybe one of the things is uh, you know, uh, Matt, like, warm up with Matt in, in his dressing room on a practice pad. Or you could click uh, you know, hanging out with, with Pliny uh, going through like, his guitar warm-ups beforehand. And just look, there's endless creativity in, in the ways that you can share uh, the experience of being live, uh, you know, musicians with your fans, but it's just a matter of like having the audacity to try yeah, or even just to say the idea out loud and then, and then, uh, debate whether it, there might be some value in it or not. I think that's for, at least for our bands, I think that would be the easy part is the, I don't think there'd be any shortage of ideas. I, I really think the, the two biggest barriers are the one that, that Pliny brought up, which are like, you know, the challenge of, of the music itself, if there were going to yeah. be collaborative aspects to it. And then obviously the physical limitations of COVID-19. Um, but Hey, you know, we can, we can certainly dream and it's, it's never <laughs> a bad idea to talk about these things because that's like you said, that's, you know, you talk about it, have the balls to do so. You never know what can transpire when the time comes. Um, so getting, getting away slightly, we don't have too much time left and I want to respect how late it is for you, but, um, getting away from, from the music stuff a little bit, I'm just curious what, what life has been like, you know, during these new times for you. I know it's a lot less crazy where you live than it is here. Um, but have you found yourself falling into a new routine that is different than normal life so to speak um yeah a little bit um, and if anything probably better than like my normal life uh, i started about started waking a little waking up a little bit earlier um started walking a lot more like my pretty much my whole life i've always tried to be outside for like at least half an hour a day or like an hour um and a lot of the time i used to think that's all the time i had and then recently I've been like, I have so much time. I'll just leave and walk for like three, four hours. Um, 
and just see where I end up. And so that's kind of been like the almost mandatory thing that I do every day. And then when I get back, then I see like how much time is left to make music or like reply to emails or whatever. Um, what do you get out of that? I'm just curious. What What is, aside from obviously exploring and seeing where you end up, are these solo walks typically? Yeah, pretty much always. Um, I've never been a runner and I've never been a gym guy. So I guess there's like some mild health benefit. Um, For sure. I find it kind of great mentally. Um, I listen to podcasts, listen to music. It's kind of like a way to learn new things, either from a podcast or from like listening to an album I haven't heard to see if I can steal a production trick or a chord progression or whatever. Um, and I guess walking, there's like, there's always something interesting that's going to happen. There's always people, there's always like stuff, a cafe, or like a bird. I mean, I'm pretty fucking easily amused. So it's, and I guess where I live as well is quite different to a lot of the states where it is quite walkable. Like it's more, it's not quite New York City level of craziness, but it's definitely more like, it's more like that than it is like the parts of the states where you have to drive or you can't get anywhere. Has there been a soundtrack to these walks in particular, like something that you either have found yourself going back to or... Um, a day that you've been, you know, especially in, inspired by something as of late? Um, earlier in the year, it would have been this band Rufus DeSoul. They're like mm -hmm. an Aussie, yeah, you know, mm -hmm. um, that's great walking music. Um, lately a bit of periphery, um, Hmm. Reminds me of the many good times we had. Um, nothing in particular. It's kind of just like random, whatever I find at the time. Yeah. Um, Do you have go-to podcasts that you listen to like week to week? Uh, a lot of Sam Harris. A lot of, I always forget the name, uh, is a space guy. But he talks to people. Neil deGrasse Tyson? No. No. Sean, Sean Carroll. Oh, okay. I forget what his podcast calls. But he talks to, like, musicians and lawyers and all kinds of different people. Um, just started listening to a psychology one. Forget who that's with. Um, I guess I could check out your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you could. You could. Yeah. It's a lot of this. It's a lot of this. Yeah. But there's there's... Yeah, give it a give it a go. Uh, I I just I, I was stuck on this idea of you walking down the street listening to Periphery and like trying to walk to the riffs, <laughs> like you know hitting the accents. You like kind of tap dancing yeah. down the road. Oh man, that's funny. Um, I'll do it. I'll do it for a music video. The price is right. Actually, that's a that's a really good idea. Um, I might take you up on that. <laughs> do you have a Do you have a a, a film buddy who can walk with you and kind of walk in front of you and, and capture that. I wish I did. I w and we could go like full musical style, like the camera in front, like constantly. Yeah. And like, then new people join in from behind. 
What was that? The AirPods Apple commercial with like the, the yeah, exactly like dancing yeah. down the street. Um, I, yeah. So two two quick other things. I was going to ask you: Do you ever um, do you find in your walks that you ever get stopped, recognized? No, that's good. No. Do you no, wear no. a hoodie and like cover yourself up? Because I would imagine no. down there being a multi platinum star as you are, um, you know, you would you would have flocks of of dudes with guitars following you around just begging you for the time of day they're all at home practicing mm. so they're not gonna they're not gonna find me out on the street touche touche yeah. uh one other thing i wanted to ask you i noticed you, you posted you posted about a coffee shop experience i think recently yeah. What was that about? Did you, was it just oh, you or so did you go out with friends or what was, uh, you this know? was, this was mid tracking. So before we even got to the studio for the drum recording, um, Chris sent a message to me and Simo like guys, like fuck the album. There's this cafe called owner, which is like a 15 minute walk from the studio. And that's easily like way more exciting than like the important music of my life. Um, and we got to, I think it was like the second last day or something, and we were just doing really well. So it was like a treat. Let's go there. And um, Chris has a friend who's a barista there. And at the moment, it's quite restricted. Like, you can only have a certain number of people in at a time. So we waited around. Like, this is my studio money being used really well. I was just standing outside this cafe waiting to get a seat. Um and then Chris's friend, I forget his name. I wish I remembered, uh, but he's a legend. He basically chose for us what we should try and brought out four different filters. Uh, they use different cups, like in the same way that you would for different wines to like release acidity and flavor in different ways. And like, I don't know shit about any of this, but they explained it in a like non-pretentious way where it really was clear, like, oh, this tastes differently from this cup and this cup. Um, and then four coffees later, he was like, oh, I just want to make you a latte as well. So he brought out like the most perfect latte I've ever seen in my life. And yeah, it was the most expensive cafe bill I think I've ever paid and well worth it. It's so funny. The things that make me jealous these days or just in general, <laughs> like when I saw you post about that, I was like, ah. That was probably knowing you, knowing how many cafes you've been to, knowing that coffee is something that you're, you know, you enjoy as with many of our, all of our friends. Yeah. Uh, I saw that and I was like, I was like, man, I want, I want that feeling. Like I've, I remember that feeling. I, I know that feeling. It's been a while since I've had it. And it made me think back to that morning. Oh man, where were we? It was in Europe. And it was, we walked, it was like a walk, we were outside, um, we were near the water. Uh, Nijmegen, the Netherlands? Was, oh, it was Nijmegen. We're, we're like, we were up, like up on a balcony, or, or not a balcony, but like the second level, and there was that cafe where we all got like avocado toast and yeah. sat. That, that was yeah. another one of, those, uh, one of those days. But I don't know, I just, those are the things that I, I really miss, I think. So I was, I mean, I was happy 
to see that you did yeah. that. I was also it just <laughs> insanely jealous because I just I miss the experiences that we get to have like that when we go on tour. You know, finding yeah. that shop that gives us this incredible experience where the show is obviously great. It's an awesome part of the day, but that's the thing that I, I walk away remembering most is the conversation and the fun and being able to try different coffees and different foods and just, you know, seeing how everybody's going to react to the group of us walking into a tiny place yeah. and taking it over, you know, bunch of shit that says hail Stan. Like, yeah. Like just black hoodies everywhere. We all look the yeah. same. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and I always, you know, this is this is probably going to sound funny, but I always look forward to in those cafes, like what the bathroom looks like. It, I mean, I know it's that's a funny. Good. It's what, always going to be pretty good. It's always going to be pretty good. Like there's a few that are just like kind of, you know, leave a lot to be desired. Yeah. But I think if I recall that particular one in I Megan was like. I think it was like an all like wood panel, yeah, like yeah, it was. beautiful sliding sort of, yeah. door. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I love the attention to detail and things like that. Yeah. Um, I mean, one of the things that was really cool about going to this cafe is like, for the most part, I was quite passive in the drum recording because Chris had already learnt and written all the parts and Simon's engineering. And I was just there to be like, yeah, that's a good take. Um, and so I was just sitting there listening to them, like moving the mic to aim at a different lug and then tuning the snare differently and all that shit. And then we go to this cafe where it's like, they're doing the same thing in a different field. And I was just kind of like, praise the nerds of the world for getting really into these odd things that bring a lot of joy. Well, you're, you are incredibly, uh, lucky or I should say um, fortunate to live where you live because some of the best coffee and the best cafes I've ever been to are in Australia, in particular in, in Sydney. Um, I've had some amazing experiences <laughs> down there with, with coffee culture and the food. And so, yeah. and you know, that's, we were talking about doing at some point a Australian leg of the periphery Pliny tour run. I hope we get to do that sometime yeah, me too. sooner than later. Uh, because I, you know, it's funny all the times I've been to, to Australia, I've never, aside from like the tour manager that takes you out, you know, I've never been with people. I don't think on a daily basis or like in, in the way that we would all probably hang out together who also yeah. live there and can tell us where to go. I think maybe, one time when I did my drum clinic tour there, I was with uh, my buddy Chris, who was the rep from Mapex at the time when I was with Mapex. He knew his shit, um, but we were into different things, you know, so a as yeah. much as he could point me in the right direction, there was a lot of things that like I wanted to do that weren't necessarily his forte. But uh, I think that, I don't know, I'm just really looking forward to that opportunity to do that with you guys. So that's, that's something that I'm still holding on to. I can't can't wait and i will hold your hand in public i will walk Absolutely. down the street with you Dude. in public i want to let go this is this world situation has made me realize that i need to appreciate what we have mm -hmm. we do we have a lot i will certainly use hand sanitizer if that makes you feel more comfortable first don't care dude share it all let's yeah 
Yeah. All right. Well, and plenty, plenty. Next time, uh, next time you come to the states, uh, I, I'd be privileged. I'd go as far to say to uh, be your personal tour manager of uh, all the all the best haunted hayrides in in Lancaster Dude. County. <laughs> Done. Sold. Very well, let's sold. let's round it out on that note. Please, is there anything else you want to talk about, or any 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 uh, questions? that you have for myself or Jordan before we wrap this thing? No, couldn't care less about either of you. It's like most our guests anyway. That's fair. <laughs> um, no, let's, let's do it again and I can hype up my album in a couple of months. Yeah. I, you know what? I was actually going to suggest if we can work this out to where it's not total chaos, it'd be awesome to have you, Simo, Chris yeah, back on, like together uh, yeah. And maybe even invite Ronnie and sure. uh, potentially Stash. Oh, dude. Yes. Getting him on a podcast seems like a really good challenge and yeah. a really good idea. Yeah, I agree. Get him talking. He's been yeah. so productive this whole quarantine. From what I can see, I'd like to actually pick his Oh, room. man. That, yeah, like his garden, vegetables, flowers. Working out, getting in shape, just house yeah. projects. He's, a, yeah. he's truly a, a renaissance renaissance man living by himself yeah jordan yes to that point uh i do want to say uh, one of my mentors uh within a drum circle facilitation but some drummers may know him he used to be in the band rusted root uh back in the in the 90s uh his name's jim donovan and i just saw he made a 22 second instagram post last night that has been something i've been trying to live by uh, but I haven't really pushed as much publicly, but it was a nice reminder. Um, like, we don't need to wait for this shit to end. And especially for us in the States, it's not going to end relatively soon. So if you kind of have this mentality of, oh, when it ends, then I'm going to start like working towards something. Like, fuck that. Like, now is the time. Uh, we just have to be adaptive and flexible and open-minded to what... Uh, starting or progressing means when we really can't go out and connect in person. Um, so Matt, the, the, the guy you were talking about just saying whether, whether it's the gardening or working out, like now, now's the time to start doing this shit, you know? Um, and I think this podcast is proof of that. This podcast and this conversation with Pliny would not have been happening, I believe, at this moment if it weren't for a, a global pandemic. So for that, I'm very grateful, quite frankly. Uh, for, for the person listening or for the person watching uh, me right now and, 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 and looking at the, the lovely faces of, uh, of Pliny and Matthew J. Halpern, um, I'd like to, one, say thank you for your attention. Uh, I'd like to uh, offer a personal invitation to our private, inclusive, supportive, uh, creative, positive Facebook group, facebook.com slash groups slash chocolate croissants. You're welcome to join us there. If you're listening to this on your podcast app of choice, uh, you may not know that you could be looking at our faces right now. YouTube.com slash chocolate croissants or just simply search chocolate croissants podcast in that uh, YouTube app, baby. Um, you could subscribe too. And then next time Pliny comes on, you'll probably get a notification. You don't really have to do all the, the, the research uh, that you may have done to find this in the first place. Um, wherever you are, we hope you're well. Uh, I ask you to please 
be kind to yourself. This is actually the earliest I have woken up to do anything since March, and it was well worth my time. So I thank you, Pliny. Uh, you are a wonderful man, uh, great energy, um, and uh, I, I look forward to the next time we can do this. Thanks, man. You too. Appreciate you, brother. Uh, Matt, always good to be with you, especially before 9 a.m. And uh, until next time, my bells, they, I already threw them. I have this. I'm going to throw this across the room, and then I'm going to hit the cowbell with my hand. I'm going to put it on the wood table. I'm going to show you the notes that I took for this conversation. And now I'm going to say uh, bye-bye.